It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, our weekly roundtable. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics... Um, we have our panel of political pundits, our uh, roundtable regulars, if you will. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, it's always good to talk with you. Good morning, Tom and Paul. Good morning, and Henry. Last but not least, kind of a kind of a new kid on the block. His inaugural uh, visit to our political roundtable. Former Republican congressional candidate Earl Lackey joins us. Hey, Earl. Good morning, Tom. Morning, guys. Morning. Good Earl. morning, Earl. Um, now, Earl doesn't know, but we always start with some quotes. And uh, the first one is a finish the quote. This is where I ask how you would finish this quote. In order to have your voice be heard in Washington, you have to what? How would you finish that quote? Um, Tell vote, I. vote in your hometown? Um, I don't know. Here you go. In order, This is the original quote. In order to have your voice be heard in Washington, you have to make some little contribution. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know who said that? Yeah. Elon, it is a pay-to-play game. Elon Musk. Oh, that's interesting. I th- huh. Well, I thought so. A little different. Yeah. A yeah. little, yeah. little off the okay. beaten path. Uh, but here's, here's the quote of the week. Now, keep in mind... This is what was said 
prior to last night's presidential debate. He can start by saying and acknowledging from the outset that Donald Trump is an inveterate liar and he will lie during this debate, but he just can't be spending all of his time battling Donald Trump's lies when he's got to get his message out and talk to the people about what he's going to do for them. It's about them, not about Donald Trump. Who do you think said that? Biden. No, um, I think I think I heard that somewhere, but I'm trying to recall. Uh, was it Gretchen Whitmer? It was former Michigan uh, Governor Jennifer. Uh, no, it was former oh, Michigan Governor oh, former, Jennifer okay, okay. Granholm, yeah. who actually has prepared Biden for multiple debates in the past. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. Yeah. And and this is kind of a twofer because I didn't want this to be all one sided. Um, here's one that, uh, that came before the debate. I would say to avoid becoming overly personal and stick to the issues. Who do you think had that advice for uh, President Trump? Hmm. Be overly. I have no idea. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you off the hook. I'm not, try I'm not trying to stump anybody. Um, that was uh, Trump's 2016 campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway. Oh, okay. Now, the question is, did either candidate follow this advice last night? No. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Not really. I mean, I, I, I was, that whole thing struck me like the Flint City Council meeting. That was this. I, you know, I think I've seen every debate pretty much since 1960 or so, almost all of them, and that was the most bizarre debate I have ever seen. I just, uh, I was exhausted by the end, frankly, just watching it. Well, if, if you can all stand by for a minute, in, in lieu of the second quote of the week that we usually do in this, uh, in this segment, I have, uh, courtesy of, of YouTube and NBC, uh, pulled up a, uh, a little highlights reel that runs about four, just under four and a half minutes. So for anybody who hasn't, who, who didn't see the debate last night, they'll get some idea before we start talking about it. How you doing, man? Okay. I, I want to make sure. You ordered last in your class, not first in your class. I want to make Mr. sure. Mr. President, can you let him finish, sir? No, he doesn't know how to do that. He has, You'd you know, you, you pick be surprised. the Go wrong ahead, guy, oh, the wrong oh, night oh. at the wrong time. Listen, did you use the word smart? You graduated either the lowest or almost the lowest in your class. Don't ever use the word smart with me. Don't ever use that word. Vote now. You pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're a senator. I'm not going to answer the question. Why because would you answer that because question? Because the you question is, the question is, the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, on, man? Listen, who is Look, on your list? You folks at home, how many of you got up this morning and had an empty chair at the kitchen table because someone died of COVID? How many of you were in a situation where you lost your mom or dad and you couldn't even speak to them? You had a nurse holding a phone up so you could, in fact, say goodbye. You would have lost far How more many people. people? Be this is the same man it's who all told set you up. by Easter this had be gone away. By the warm weather, it'd be gone. Miraculous. Like a miracle. And by the way, maybe you could inject some bleach in your arm and that would take care of it. This is the that same man. That was said sarcastically. That was, you know was 40,000 people a day are contracting COVID. In addition to that, about between 750 and 1,000 people today are dying. When he was presented with that number, he said, it is what it is. Well, it is what it is because you are who you are. 
He knew all the way back in February how serious this crisis was. He knew it was a deadly disease. What did he do? He's on tape as acknowledging he knew it. He said he didn't tell us or give people a warning of it because he didn't want to panic the American people. You don't panic. He panicked. And Mr. Even President, the people who testified under oath. So let me ask oath, you this. Henry, no, no, oath. go ahead, Mr. Henry, I'm listening to you. Wait a minute. You get the final word. Mr. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just say to you. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing. Not from the right. So way. what are you? What are you, you? What are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right wingers. Like white proud supremacists boys. and right wingers. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing My son was in Iraq. He spent a year there. He got the, he got the Bronze Star. He got the Conspicuous Service Medal. He was not a loser. He was a patriot, and the people left behind okay. there were heroes. Really? And I resent Are you talking like about Hunter? Hell. Are you talking about I'm Hunter? I'm talking about my son, Bo Biden. You're talking I don't about know. I don't know, Bo. I know Hunter. Yeah, Hunter, you know got thrown, Hunter got thrown out of the military. He was thrown out, dishonorably discharged. That's not true. It wasn't cocaine use. And he didn't have a job until you became vice president. Once you None became of vice president, he made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. He my made a son, fortune. My son. And he didn't have a job. My son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people we know at home, had a drug problem. He's overtaken it. He's, he's, he's fixed it. He's worked on it. And I'm proud of him. But why I'm was proud he of my tens son. Of Mr. Dollars. President, your campaign agreed to both sides would get two-minute answers uninterrupted. Well, your, your side agreed to it. And... Why don't you observe what your campaign agreed to as a ground rule, okay, sir? He never keeps his word. What he to do is going to create thousands and millions of jobs, good-paying jobs. But let him finish, sir. He doesn't know how to do that. $100 trillion. I'm urging my supporters to go into the polls and watch very carefully because that's what has to happen. I am urging them to do it. But I hope it's going to be a fair election. If it's a fair You're election, I am 100% on board. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, I can't go along with that. Well, what did you think? Mm. <laughs> what a show. Good God. <laughs> As I say, it made the Flint City Council look almost civil. <laughs> yeah, you know, I enjoyed uh, parts of that. But it's like watching two kids or a man and a woman fight on the street. It, it, it's not good. It's it's terrible. And to talk about uh, white supremacy as opposed to Antifa and Black Lives Matter is dividing the country more. And that conversation should have been limited, guys. And, and I think, and I do believe, that there will come a time when thousands of black Americans may die as a result of this. Hey, well, it was like, like schoolyard, yeah. a, a schoolyard argument uh, throughout the most of the night. But if you look back and you think about how Trump does things, he's an excellent chess player. 
and I believe this is part of his plan. He was the, he he interrupted to get Biden to be flustered, which is very easily done, and he did exactly what he set out to do. Do do you think that yeah. uh, that that Democrat Joe Biden was uh, was flustered, or or did he manage to stay standing pretty pretty much throughout? Well, if if I may say, uh, excuse me, Paul. But if I may say, I studied a lot about um, his behavior and whether he was co- coherent, Joe Biden. Joe Biden is as coherent as most people. We've been told that he's not, but he is. He was flustered at times, but he made some very powerful arguments that were believable. And he was people much more focused than Trump was. I mean, and, I, and, it, but Trump, I, I was, Trump, go ahead, go ahead, Trump, was good. Trump was good. There was no doubt about it. He cut him off at the pass every time and uh, uh, he made great responses but but the accuracy of his responses is what concerns you. I mean if anybody was flustered it was Trump he was he had the feeling he was almost out of control at times I I'm not sure there was a winner if there was anybody who had an edge I'd give it to Biden a bit but frankly I think the whole nation was sort of a loser in that it was a, it was a really dismal sort of a showing I mean little serious issues were discussed it was say it was it was it, it did remind me of the, the city the Flint City Council and it's a bizarre yes. kind of show and, and and literally by the time it was done I felt tired and exhausted just watching the thing uh, it was a strange show I do I do agree it it was very frustrating and like the Flint City Council I'll have to agree with you there um, it was kind of a a waste of time uh, for the most part when they got into those um, arguments that. To just did not accomplish anything or answer the questions. I would yeah. say the only the only the only good news is at least it didn't go on for five or six hours like the city council meeting. It Although all the punditry managed to to hang in there that long, I, th- I think I was still watching people um, try to describe it at, at close to two o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, I was about the same way. Yeah, and, and you know, my my point is here: any Republican who was watching that and thought that Joe Biden was somewhat subservient are probably barking up the wrong tree, because you're not really studying how to beat that opponent. You got to know his strength, and you got to give him some credit where he's strong, or you will never beat him. Well, so, we have uh, to, uh, Henry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we have to take a break here in about a minute. And I want to make one quick comment, and then we're going to move on when we come back from break to talk about uh, some local, state, and national uh, current events. Um, and if we get a chance, we'll we'll get back to this uh, before we wind up today. But I did want to mention, while there were a, a couple of gaffes uh, by uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, um, there, there was a thing that's that a lot is being made of, and I think it was, uh, and and it had to do with uh, white supremacy and whether yeah, or not I the know. president refused to condemn or or disavow white supremacists, and he initially answered the question with "Sure, I will." And then did what he had done throughout the debate, tried to turn it into attacks on the left, attacks on Joe Biden. And I think that too much is being made of that. But we're going to take a short break. We'll be back. Yeah, I, I didn't like that at all. Brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you are listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe Bai from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff's airplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70 Do it today. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com.
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue Armchair Politics this week on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by former Republican congressional candidate Earl Lackey in his uh, first time joining the uh, roundtable. Hopefully, uh, Earl, you don't get... Uh, we don't get too out of line like last night's debate and <laughs> chase you off or discourage you from future visits. Uh, but we're going to move on to some local things. Recent recall petition language filed against Flint Councilman Alan Griggs was denied by the Genesee County Elections Commission at a Tuesday, September 29th meeting. The proposed recall petition paperwork was filed Wednesday, September 16th by Don Pfeiffer, a former candidate for mayor of Flint. Chair of the County Elections Commission, Genesee County Chief Probate Judge Jenny Barkey made the motion to not approve the recall language, stating that the language was not clear. This is the second time Griggs has been targeted for recall in just over a year. The petition language filed by Pfeiffer said Griggs voted to appoint Lynn Sorensen to the Flint Planning Commission in March. Sorensen is planning to operate an assisted living home with no more than six beds in the Woodcroft One subdivision near Powers High School, according to Griggs and several homeowners. Um, oh, according to Griggs and several homeowners spoke out against the development at the city council meeting Monday, September 14th. Pfeiffer has said he questions whether the business should be allowed in the neighborhood and said not all information about it has been shared with residents. Griggs has said Sorensen is within her rights and has met the requirements for operating an assisted living home. But here's the question. Does Sorensen sitting on the planning commission and operating an assisted living home create a conflict of interest making Griggs' support inappropriate? Yeah, that could be the case. Uh, that's, a, that's one probability. The other part of the question that arises here is that is a zone? Is that area zoned for that type of business? If not, you can't do it. It has to be yeah, zoned. Good point, Henry. Yeah, to, to the extent zoning is involved with that, I think that might and be. And next to a high school, you know, there's, I, I there's know. some yeah. things that we yeah. need. Got to have some investigation. Can the planning well, commission be, waive that? Pardon? Can the planning commission? Uh, um, I think that. that has to be done by law. But by the planning yeah, but commission? There's, there's the, other aspects that the planning commission has to take into consideration. Um, the HOA. Now, the house was bought. Uh, um, when, they buy, when you buy a house and there's an HOA um, going on there, you have to agree to the HOA. So first of all, they need to know is... Is this against the rules of the HOA? If it is, Earl, Earl very it, quickly for uh, for any what's listeners an HOA? and for dummies like me, what's an HOA? Me, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for both of us, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the group that the, that a subdivision puts together. Then the subdivision has their own set of rules. Oh, the homeowners association. Oh, homeowners association. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. So if they bought the house with the Homeowners Association, or HOA, and they agreed to those rules, and those rules specified that they cannot have a business or a um, assisted living home such as that, um, this, the subject should be over right there. They don't even need to go to the planning commission. 
this was in the city of Flint, wasn't it? Though it was not in the. Am I correct me if I'm wrong? Was this the city of Flint where that uh, the house was? Well, be? yeah, it's, it's right Powers over High School. Yeah, it's right by Powers High School, over okay, off Miller okay, Road. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, if I my if my information is correct, there is an HOA there. I'm not positive oh. on that. But then, yes, they need to go through the planning commission, and yeah, they could make a variance if if everything was um, in line and in order. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a question here. What which law supersedes the other? The HOA or the zoning commission? Now, the zoning commission is a it's an organization established by law under the rules of law and uh, agreed upon. Well, I, I think the like, HOA uh, is a is an independent uh, organization that represents only a few people within a zone. Correct. Well, that raises yeah. an interesting <laughs> question because you're right. Um, you know, zoning ordinance have the force of law, and homeowners association is something that people voluntarily True. agree to. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, abide by, and um, but I don't know if they have a signatory. If uh, what their what their course of action is, if a person doesn't adhere to the rules of the uh, HOA. I, I think HOA repressive things done in, in some subdivisions. They've gotten pretty. Uh, they get pretty heavy handed on some people who have the wrong kind of decorations in their front yard or things yes, like yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the people yep. who live around Lake Fenton, for example, they have a HOA, and boy, they are really mean. Have, have you seen the? Uh, I, I've heard stories exactly. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the uh, uh, the television commercial with the uh, uh, person from the homeowners association uh, coming up to somebody's home and uh, cutting down their mailbox <laughs> because yes, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what that's what yeah. we're talking about. You get somebody yeah. like that running the HOA, and it can they can give yeah. you a lot of grief. It's pretty heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. You know, on the other hand, if if Sorensen should should be appointed to the to the uh, planning commission, at the very least, they ought to uh, excuse themselves from voting on any kind of issue for their own property. But even then, there may be, may be a conflict. I can I can see the issue there. Well, I, they, I totally they agree. agree. Yeah, they yeah, they're an excuse of of uh, voting right right there because they can't vote on something that affects themselves. Sure, so they would they would have to recuse their vote. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's move We're on. on the same page. Yeah, let's move uh, over across the street. The uh, Genesee County uh, Board of Commissioners has adopted a $113.7 million budget for its coming fiscal year, and nearly one of every $3 is slated to be spent on fringe benefits for current and retired workers. The County Board of Commissioners approved the spending plan in uh, a meeting Wednesday, pushing off a permanent funding solution to the rising cost of retiree health care, one of the benefits that's fueling budget problems while fully funding the program for the next 12 months. In addition to retiree health care, fringe benefits like health, 
dental and vision insurance for current employees, retirement account payments, and pension contributions amount to more than $33 million in the new budget. The county is using $11.6 million in reserves to balance the budget in the fiscal year that begins tomorrow leaving just $25 million in its rainy day account. Is the new county budget going to prove to be short-sighted and possibly short-lived? Yes, I would say that. Uh, There's something wrong with that. Half of the money uh, in the budget is going to pay into retirement accounts. Well, a third. A third into uh, retirements well, it, and benefits. The, yeah, but the city's budget is about sixty-six, sixty-five million, right? Well, according to this new budget, it's well, one hundred and thirteen. Yeah, no, I, I think right, that's what you see. That's what you see when you have a declining population. I mean, unfortunately, and it's to, to how much did you say the budget was? One hundred and thirteen, wasn't it? Yeah, one hundred and thirteen yeah. million. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well. They got no, the money, I, but, I, no, I but they're digging themselves a hole. Yeah, they are, and I think it's kind of a structural thing when you have a declining population and declining yeah. workforce. I mean, inevitably, <laughs> I mean, it's even worse in the city of Flint where you've got, I think you've got more retirees by a large factor than you have actual current workers. Yeah. When you've gone from a city of 200,000 people down to less than 100, and the, and the workforce has declined <laughs> roughly equivalently. So, I mean, so you're supporting a what used to be a large city workforce with a dramatically smaller city. It's not quite so true of the county, but still the county has declined in population as well. So they're going to face similar kind of structural problems. Michigan public education had the very same problem. Yeah, they were, they were, eating, them, they were eating their young. So what they had to do was, and they know that the, the state couldn't sustain that kind of growth. So what they did they began to ask people who were recipients and beneficiaries of their retirement fund to pay more and to to begin to wet that down because otherwise education would be at a point where it couldn't survive. It wouldn't have Mm -hmm. the money to survive. I remember having conversations like this about General Motors when uh, they were restructuring and and realizing that they were paying more people not to build cars than they were paying people to build yeah. cars. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. At one so point in time, General Motors had 750,000 retirees and only about 250 to 300,000 active workers were actually paying for their retirement benefits. Mm-hmm. If General Motors can survive that, I think we can survive this, but we've got to have a long-term plan. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, well, I, th- I think, I think the, the, the numbers for Flint were about the roughly same proportion, uh, roughly two to one, uh, yeah. or yeah. one to two more exactly, of, of retirees to, to, to current workers. But yeah, today, General Motors is any mean. Now, they, don't, they, don't, they didn't fall yeah. for that this time. They got, they got smarter. And, and that's what so, we need to do. Yes, that's what we need yeah. to do. Is something for the next 12 months is not going to work. We need something long-term that's yeah. going to rebuild yeah. Flint. Yeah. Yep. To save Flint from itself, because it can't see these things. They are tripping over things that are evidently going to destroy the city. Uh, they're, stepping, they're stepping over dollars to pick up dimes, yeah. and it's not working. Yeah. 
true. That's a great way yeah. to put it, Earl. Um, moving on, Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced Friday that Michigan movie theaters that have been closed since March can reopen October 9th. Also reopening on that date, other indoor theaters, performance venues, ice rinks, arcades, bingo halls, bowling centers, indoor climbing facilities, trampoline parks, and more. The new order also eases capacity restrictions for indoor gatherings, allowing for more weddings and large banquets as temperatures cool. And it will allow larger funeral gatherings. Depending on the size of the venue, the order allows gatherings of up to 500 people indoors and up to 1,000 people outdoors, though gatherings at most venues will be capped at numbers much smaller than those. Until Friday's announcement, indoor meetings and banquets involving people not from the same household have been limited to 10 people statewide. Is the governor right to loosen restrictions incrementally, or do you think she should go all in as they're doing in Florida? I, I don't like this. I don't like it. You're going to put people in confined spaces and where the air is not quite as, as <clears throat> replaced. How much air is going to re- replace the air that's in the uh, in a confined space over an hour? Yeah, and, I'm more uh, worried about the fall than I, I am the summer. About that, Earl, you started yeah. to you started to weigh in that you thought she um, that she should go all in. Um, what what's your thinking there? Well, I think we need to look at other places that have done the same thing of going all in. I mean, we can go as far as Sweden if you'd like to. They did the uh, herd mentality, and they never locked anything down, and they've got yeah. some of the lowest numbers in the yeah. world. And we've got the same thing going on here where states are opening up, and they're finding that the numbers are not climbing that fast or that hard. I think we need to go all in. With that being said, um, Governor Whitmer is making these executive orders, And if I'm not mistaken, we're over 200 by now. But people have to remember, these are orders. These are not laws. Okay? There's a big difference. And she's got everybody so scared that, that we have to follow the order. Okay, if I order you to give me all the money in your wallet, are you going to do it? Well, if the de- law says you have to give me all the money in your wallet, then if the police have a gun, you're well armed as yeah. possible. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. Just, I was so, just going to say, depends on the gun you're carrying, because yeah. I yeah. think I, haven't there yeah. been some uh, some arrests and some <clears throat> legal wrangling over refusal to follow some of those executive orders? Oh, sure. It's like the, hair, the the ladies doing the haircuts in in Lansing. They were issued thousand dollar tickets. For, for not following an order, but to my knowledge, none of them have paid the tickets. It's all going to be fought. It's all still going to be in the courts for probably for quite a while. But didn't, the didn't, the guy, didn't, he, didn't the barber in Owasso get all those things waived at the end? I forgot yes, he did. I think he did. Yeah. But, but Earl, the difference, the difference between cutting hair on a lawn and, and, and going into a movie, you, on a lawn you have open space. You have dispersion of air and you have dilution but in a confined space you don't have that <coughs> and and there's a difference i'm more i'm more concerned about the fall than i was the summer i think as, as we move into closed closed spaces we're going to see and we are seeing some rebound of this kind of stuff that we saw last spring so i am concerned about it with, with yeah. or without any kind of orders i 
you know, I'm just personally concerned that those confined spaces are going to re- result in a, well, my, a, a resurgence. Yeah, my point there is, is you're right. The confined spaces where there might be somebody that is, uh, has COVID could, could pass it around, yes. My point is it's a matter of choice. If you think you're not feeling good, you might have it. Your choice is not to go. The other people's choice is to go or not go and take the chance of, of contracting it. The governor's orders are telling people they have to do this or they have to do that. And that, that's, we, she's not giving us our choice, which the Constitution guarantees us. And, and, and I would just say that, you know, of course, the intention is to protect people from yeah. people who might make the wrong choices. But let's look at some glaring examples. The president's uh, various rallies where they've been crowding people. Uh, and he, he said in the debate last night, outside, you know, these were outdoor events at airplane hangars and so on. But people were crowding in close. The media made a big deal out of how close people were to each other and um, that they weren't wearing masks. But it's been a couple weeks since some of those events. Has has anybody followed or tracked or noticed whether there have been spikes? We've seen it in some of the, the college uh, openings and in some of the, the public school openings. But have we seen any kind of spike because of those uh, rallies that the president's been holding? Each one has my, had a low I've not seen any news stories. I thought I saw some news story about the uh, the motorcycle rally in South Dakota where there was a big jump up after that one. But the, I've not seen any stories about the other ones, one way or the other. Yeah, the motorcycle rally in South Dakota, um, Sturgis is what it's called. Right. Um, there was there was almost a million people there. Well, yeah, you get a million people within one town like that, and yeah, you're going to see spikes. Duh. Yeah, at least but a couple of them the probably rally. went there sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, as as far as the Trump rallies in the airport hangars, I actually did go to the last one, and being a former congressional candidate, I knew a lot of the people there. I was there up close. We were shaking hands. I probably met a thousand people there. Um, there was close to 10,000 people there. And I was right up front with everybody. Um, and as far as I know, nobody that I know got sick. I didn't get sick. And as far as I know, no, from Trump's rallies, there are no spikes, so to speak, from the rallies of all the people showing up. And not only that, another measure you need is the incident rate. How frequently does this happen? Uh, and, and I don't think we have a high enough incident rate to, to really talk about a Trump rallies because we have nothing has ever emerged that said that there was a catastrophe. Well, let me move on to a couple more aspects of this. Governor Gretchen Whitmer on Tuesday extended Michigan's state of emergency due to the coronavirus pandemic to October 27th, one week before the November 3rd (laughs) presidential election. The state of emergency had been set to expire at the end of the day Thursday, but Whitmer earlier made it clear she planned to extend it, saying Michigan might remain in a state of emergency for some time. A a Whitmer spokeswoman did not immediately respond to a question about why the state of emergency 
was not extended beyond the November 3rd election, which would eliminate some uncertainty surrounding that event. Whitmer also extended four other emergency orders issued previously, including one requiring designated shopping times for vulnerable populations such as the elderly. The state of emergency should not be confused with Whitmer's stay-at-home order, which she lifted June 1st. Why not extend it beyond the uh, November 3rd election if she expects it to be around for a while? Yeah, I, I, I have to say, if you're going to do it, do it. Um, yeah. the, the purpose of that, I mean, is that, is that also tied to some federal federal funds, the, the state of emergency situation? Uh, yes. I know, yeah, yeah, I, I think I you might was... be right about that, Paul. Yes. And and it certainly keeps in place the the legal justification for orders she may decide to make. Like she just recently right. um, asked uh, people to mask up in the Upper Peninsula because their numbers were starting to go up a little bit. Well, if you notice in Genesee County, people kind of follow the mask rule kind of religiously, at least in Kyle. Everybody has, and I feel undressed if I go into Menards or Kmart or something like that because they do say mask required, and people do that. If Clio is a microcosm of the rest of the county. You know, you know what I've noticed, Henry? I, when we go to, like, to Myers, we'll notice people, they, they require masks, but people will wear them on their chin <laughs> or, or carry them around. I mean, they'll have the mask there, but I'm, I'm struck by a fair number. I would, it's nowhere near a majority. But I'm a surprised at the number of people I see wearing masks that are, that are covering their mouth but not their nose. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I yeah. see that a lot. But that's protecting the other person because you can't expel any body fluids. You can take them in, that's your risk. But you can't expel them. You're protecting the other person. It's probably better than nothing, but still, it's not, it's not yeah. doing the whole right. job. Yeah. Well, but some people can't breathe under that. I I find them uncomfortable after a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I, make I, it through I, a trip I, to the store, but... I've, I've got great sympathy for nurses and doctors who have to wear those all day. I mean, if I, when I go to a store for an hour or two, it, it is you, you do notice it. But, yeah, I don't know how you work all day long in those things. That's got to be very tough. Well, well, that's one one reason why in surgery they usually have two doctors, so one can actually step away for a few minutes because your oxygen level, once you put the mask on, actually starts to decrease right away. That's yeah, been one, doc, one doctor can faint while the other one takes over. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That gives you confidence. As long as, as, long as they're not sharing a mask. Um, right. <laughs> Mich yeah. Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel is launching a criminal investigation into Unlock Michigan, the committee collecting signatures to repeal an emergency powers law Governor Whitmer is using to address the coronavirus pandemic. Nessel's announcement on uh, Monday follows a series of Detroit Free Press articles about questionable tactics employed by paid signature collectors working on the Unlock Michigan campaign. It was not immediately clear whether the uh, Michigan State Police would be involved in the investigation. In opening an investigation, Nessel cited the Free Press reports plus complaints from residents who report they were deceived 
by petition circulators working with the Unlock uh, Michigan campaign. Nessel said residents complained they were told the petitions were to support LGBTQ rights for medical marijuana initiatives or to help small businesses, among other things. Is this all partisan politics? The, my only question is, I mean, how, how widespread is it? It's a couple of people doing it. I, it probably is. If it's a system-wide thing, then you got an issue. But I, I mean, I can recall in the past for other petition drives where I've been approached, and I knew what the petition was about, but the, the, the sales pitch that I got was totally different. So, I mean, there are people who are out there working, you know, on commission, so to speak, who will give you a story about why you ought to sign a petition. But if it's only a handful Hello, of people, citizens. I kind of shrug my shoulders. we got to take a break. We'll be right back. I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. The Tom Sumner program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside 
can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. In the interest of goodwill, the Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman Steady Sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman Sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name this was This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue Armchair Politics with uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, our roundtable regulars, joined by first-timer, uh, former congressional candidate <coughs> Earl Lackey. Um, a Republican, and uh, we don't get a lot of Republicans in the third chair, Earl, so it's uh, great to have you along. Well, thanks for having me. I'm it. Thank you. And and thank you, Earl. We, we appreciate you. At least I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> and, and I look forward to coming back. This is fun. Okay. Paul, I... Uh, I, I it happened to me again. Uh, you guys are so engaging that I forget to watch the clock, and we got kind of got chopped off there by the uh, the uh, automated break. But we were talking about the um, uh, Michigan Attorney General's uh, in investigation into uh, the committee collecting signatures to repeal the emergency powers law um, that the governor uses to address uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, didn't the legislature address this already? Didn't they? No. Oh, I thought I, I thought I read I, something where they had uh, uh, taken up a bill to um, to uh, uh, at least repeal the 1945 act. That's what yes, the they did. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, they the, did. The uh, Unlock Michigan. Um, What's going on there is they were going after the 1945 law. Unfortunately, we still have another one on the books that, that goes back to 1976, which is where Gretchen is getting a lot of her, her stuff from. The Unlock Michigan is only going after the 1945 law. And so the governor still has powers that she could use, even if they get the 45 law repealed. The Restore Freedom Initiative, which has come along since then, is going after not only the 1945 law, but the 1976 law. It basically would require consultation with the legislature for those powers. Isn't that correct? That's the difference between yeah. the 45 yeah. law and the 76 law. Right. The right. 76 yeah. law says you can do all these things um, for up to, I think, something like 30 days, and then 30 days. the yeah. legislature has to weigh in if you're going to continue beyond that which allows the governor freedom to address an issue like the flood up in uh, uh, north of Midland there. Um, if they you know, I, I, was, I was struck when, 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 when this first pandemic emergency thing happened, I was struck by how many times 
there have been emergency declarations, but they were almost always for, you know, weather weather related, snow or flood or similar things for a couple of days, and nothing quite as long as this. So that, but there, but it's a rather frequently used power of the governor that I had never not quite paid attention to until this pandemic one came along. Yeah, it's been used quite a bit by almost every governor, but yeah. in limited amounts. It's this is unprecedented. We've never had a governor do. Of the amount of executive orders that Gretchen Whitmer has been doing. Yeah, like I say, in the past, at least the ones I saw, they were for snowstorms or occasional floods exactly. or things of that nature. Yeah, you know, so I, I think the governor, the governor would be better advised to try to work with the legislature, just like she did with the budget for education. She got that through, like she coasted through that. And flying colors, and the uh, Republicans and the rest of the legislature uh, gave her cheers. But to continue to move in this direction, uh, it's just going to cause more squabbling and more um, restraint from other yeah. people. Yeah, I, ideally there ought to be coordination, I think, in the long run. And unfortunately, what happens in this partisan age is that every one of these issues becomes part of a... a a, a partisan battle when logically and in, in the abstract there really ought to be coordination i think when yes. you go along well, on a couple of days again if you have a two-day snowstorm it's one thing but uh, well initially initially there was supposed to be some coordination there um she did go to the legislature and she asked for 30 days and they gave her two weeks and she wasn't happy with that so she wanted the 30 days and then she started issuing executive orders on the 1945 and 76 law mm -hmm. And if, in my personal opinion, if, if I were governor, I wouldn't be ordering all of these uh, or having all these executive orders out there. I would be asking the people, mask up. You get a lot more by yes. asking people to do something than you do by ordering them. If you order somebody to do something, they're going to fight you on it. And that's why she's having a losing battle here as far as the, the Democrats are concerned. They're turning away from her left and right um no pun intended but um <laughs> <laughs> well but appreciate I mean, the, the other issue is, is compliant i mean as we were talking before the issue is compliant you can issue an order to wear masks but when you walk around again compliance is good but it's hardly universal and depending on when you go to a store or which store you go into sometimes people wear them sometimes they don't you know at best compliance is, is spotty here and there well, yeah. and that's and that's I think the point that uh, that Earl is trying to make is yeah. that when a, a, a leader gets up and and challenges us to do our part, we tend to do it more if it's voluntarily. But exactly. whenever it's a compliance request, there's there's this little bit of pushback, like you know, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I, I think the governor really had some good intentions, guys. This was a COVID. Well, and if and, you look, um, and if you look back to and, the uh, Spanish uh, flu in 1918, a lot of the things that were done then are very similar to what right. the governor yeah. has done this time around. It, it's it's not completely unheard of. It's just unheard of in our lifetimes. But and, with the, where the governor is failing is failing to work with the legislature and the Republicans. You've got to bring those people back in the fold, or you're going to have back. nothing but chaos all the way down. 
Patrice. And I'll give her, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Henry, in terms of the coordination, but I'll, I'll give her some credit in the fact that when you look at how we've, how Michigan has, compa- has handled things compared to many other states, we have improved. We were, we were one of the worst states at the beginning. We have generally improved down the line, so I'll, I'll give her that much credit to on the line there. But I, I give but the credit I, to the people. Yeah, and, and that's that's a fair point, Earl. And and I would just uh, add before we move on to the next thing that, um, you know, I, I I think she had a case to make to legislators. I I think they could have been mm-hmm. won over, because this is a serious thing, and I think they're serious people on uh, all sides. Of, uh, you know, what's interesting is that unlike yeah. the last two governors, she has legislative experience. I mean, that, that, uh, I'm a little surprised that she didn't go that route because, as I say, she's got the experience of the legislature, unlike, as I say, the last two governors we've had. Yeah, I, I'll agree with that, yeah. Well, let me, let me, yeah. let's move on to the next thing. State and national Republican leaders want a Michigan judge to overturn a recent ruling that allows voters to choose anyone to deliver their absentee ballots and requires many absentee ballots received after Election Day to count. The uh, Republican National Committee and the Michigan Republican Party are suing Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and Attorney General Dana Nessel in an effort to nix a recent court decision. The legal filing is the latest machination that may affect absentee voting this year, a process more than 3 million Michiganders are expected to use to cast their ballots this fall. Why do Republicans care who delivers someone's absentee ballot? Oh, well, the ballots can be tampered with in all kind of ways. I can't think of one right now. And uh, sending them through the mail, they can be intercepted, they can be lost, they can be transferred to the wrong address and stuff like that. But I, I have no objection against uh, uh, voting by mail, you know, but in general. I think that people by and large, are more honest than they are um, criminal. And actually, as, I, as I've, we've mentioned before, I, well, the vote by mail has got some advantages. One thing I really like is it gives voters a chance to study the ballot, I mean, particularly the proposals. I mean, some voter walks in cold turkey to a, to a, a voting booth, and they see a six-paragraph proposal, and they'll shrug their shoulders and say, I don't know. But if you've got the ballot in front of you and you can sit down in an afternoon and read through it or go to a website and learn about it, you may have a more informed electorate, too, with the, with the mail-in voting. So I, I see that as at least as one advantage outside of increasing turnout, potentially, maybe. Well, I actually have my absentee vel- voter ballot right here in front of me, and the uh, issues are not on it. <laughs> they are not? <laughs> not to argue with you, no. but it, it's right there. The The issues are not on it, and... Part of the problem I have with anybody being able to bring these things in is how do we know that that person isn't going to dump them in a ditch like they've already found military ones with Trump's name on them being dumped? Um, No, there's just there's the door is too wide open for fraud as far as all of this is concerned. And if anybody's paying attention to any news, fake or not, we all know uh, by now that the that you can do voter uh, mail-in registration and that type of stuff. And um, no, the the mail-in. There's just too big of a chance of fraud to go on. Um, I believe this whole fiasco is needs to be looked at through the next election, and we need to uh, change the laws as to how this is all done and make it more fair and safe for for everybody. 
I want my vote to count. I don't want it to end up in a ditch. Well, I think there's always a way to tamper with an election, and, and as evidence of that, I, I would point to the box of uh, Dewey ballots in Paul's trunk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. My, my grandfather is still voting in Chicago. <laughs> well, two Democratic state senators introduced legislation Tuesday to ban guns from inside the Michigan state capitol. The bill sponsored by Senator Rosemary Baer, a Democrat from Beverly Hills, and Senator Dana Polahanke, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, a uh, Democrat from Livonia would prohibit both open and concealed carry of firearms inside the Michigan State Capitol building except for Michigan State Police and the Sergeant-at-Arms. Uh, the legislative action follows the Michigan State Capitol Commission's recent rejection of a proposal to completely ban firearms in the Capitol building. The gun ban conversation accelerated after armed protesters of the state's stay home order in late April uh, demonstrated in and around the building while lawmakers were in session. Will the Republican controlled legislature pass this? I hope not. Well, guys, <laughs> 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 it happened again. You're listening to Tom Sumner. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> 